From rolling dice and drawing cards to solving puzzles and opening locks. For beginners who are new to games, as well as experienced players who want something new. Let us take you through the exciting world of gaming and help you design a great gaming get-together. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everyone. In this episode, it's just the two of us. We talk about doing escape rooms as a couple. In the dice roll, we will list our favorite two-player games. And for our escape room report, we have not one, but two recent escapes we did as a team of two. So just like the Will Smith song of the 90s, <laughs> it's just the two of us, you and I. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's not always easy to get a group together. And yeah. also, you know, sometimes as adults, it can be harder to make friends. And even, you know, you may not live in an area where you're close to your friends or, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't have kids and your friends do have kids and they're not as available as often. So it's nice to, if you're in a couple situation, to have things that you can just do as together as a couple, mm-hmm. you know, and still experience all those fun things like board games and escape rooms. But just Plus, it you. helps build the relationship, help strengthen the bond between you mm-hmm. and your partner. Yeah, for sure. You know, and sometimes you do want just that alone time with you and your loved one. Yeah, you can only sit on the couch and watch TV for so long, right? Right. <laughs> right? We're only three episodes into Designing Women, but already, you know, I need a break from it. Oh. I'm teasing you. <laughs> Actually, it's a good show, guys. Go check it out on Hulu. <laughs> So yeah, so there's a lot of board games that you can do for two players, you know, but I think the activity that we like to talk about the most in this podcast is the escape room report. So we thought for our main topic today, we would cover primarily doing escape rooms as a couple, because that's one where people would argue, oh, the more people you have, the easier it is. Yeah. And I mean, it is, you know, it's a group experience, right? So is to a group, you know? Um, there may be some debate as to if it's as fun or as I want to say. I would say it's more more challenging mm-hmm. with just two. So we're going to talk about kind of the pros and cons of mm-hmm. doing it as a couple. Just the two of us locked in a room together. <laughs> so I recently saw this um, come up where someone was confused at why people would want to do escape rooms just as two. I think mm-hmm. they thought, oh, it would be too hard or what's the point um, because, you know, it's a group experience. Why yeah. do it just as two? And a lot of people came to the defense and said, no, we like doing rooms just as two. Mm-hmm. So what would you think are some of the reasons why people might like doing rooms as two as opposed to a group? Well, one reason is because there's more for you personally to do. Mm-hmm. So many times, whether it's just been you or me, even, or whether it's been us in a big group, I'm off doing something. Mm-hmm. And then you'll come, and then I'll finally be done with that. And then I'll come back into the room that you're in, and like all this stuff's on the table, all these things are open on the wall, uh-huh. there's a monkey hanging from the ceiling. I'm like, what happened in here? Yeah, or you know, you're you're off doing your own things and you go, Oh, I saw that, and it's like I never got to see that puzzle. Yeah. You know? Um, I think, you know, we we like doing rooms with groups. You know, some rooms can go up to a lot. Some rooms can go up to 10, 12. You know, it can be crazy. Mm-hmm. We prefer to do small, smaller groups yeah. because it's it's more challenging. You get a better experience as getting to experience everything in the room. It's not as chaotic. It's easier to communicate with less people. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually our sweet spot is four. Um, but we'll do six if it's a particularly challenging room. But I, there's very few times I want to go above six. We have... But it's, it's not usually our choice. For us, yeah. yeah. And it's not, like you said, it's not normally our choice to yeah. do above six. And it's just because oftentimes, the even if it's a non-linear puzzle, meaning that you can uh-huh. break off and do multiple things, 
like I'll go over here to what's obviously a thing. You'll go over there, what's obviously a thing. And then our friend, like Amy, will just be standing there, like I. Well, I have I mean, nothing to do. Lauren's doing that. Greg's doing this. What can I do? Uh-huh. So even if there is technically something for him or her to do, just trying to observe that and recognize, oh, I could be going over here. You may not notice that, or there may not be enough things to do. Mm-hmm. And as we'll talk about, I'm sure, later points, some puzzles can only have so many hands on them. Yeah, exactly. It's not to say that, oh, only one person can work on this puzzle at a time. Mm. It's just sometimes it's just the way the puzzle is, it doesn't require two hands or it doesn't, two hands would be too much or something like that where, you know, it's, you have a very small surface area and, or a very small beam of light and it's hard to have multiple people around something. Yeah, right. Um, It's it's then the whole problem of like, I want to take a turn looking through the telescope. No, I want to take a turn looking through the telescope. Sometimes it's not conducive to have a bunch of people on one puzzle. And so if you have a lot of people, sometimes that can result in people feeling kind of left out or just standing around and it's not as fun for them. I mean, it may be still fun. But yeah. I definitely have done rooms where I felt like I didn't get to contribute as much yeah. because of the large group. And and the point of doing escape rooms is, I mean, you enjoy it while you're doing it. But the main point, in my opinion, is the story afterwards. Uh-huh. Being able to say, I did this. I, I solved this. I moved this. I mm. pushed that. You know, I put this together. You know, so even if you failed, you could say, yeah, but I still did this. You yeah. can... You can be proud of your accomplishments in the room. Mm-hmm. And if your accomplishment was, I was there, <laughs> that's like being a bench warmer the entire season, you know, and then mm-hmm. getting to, getting the trophy at the end. Like, you didn't really do anything. You probably don't feel like you deserve it. You yeah. Know? I mean, I remember one time in middle school, I apparently was on the winning softball team. But I was in class the entire time because I was, like, on the reserves. <laughs> so, and they never needed me. So, like, I'm sitting in English class, seventh grade. And then some kid walks in and goes, hey, Greg, you won this trophy. <laughs> For what? For softball. We're still doing that? You know, and It's kind of like that when you have too many people in an escape room. Mm-hmm. Like someone's just going to be there like, well, I, I guess I contributed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, so making sure that it can be hard to make sure that everyone is engaged and um, having fun and getting to contribute when you have a large group. So when you just have two people, you, there's a lot more for you to do. In fact, there's a lot more you have to do then because mm-hmm. it's just the two of you. So you you only have the two of you to rely on. And you know, a lot of rooms they they may that may be enough people. Sometimes that may be enough. We've done rooms where. That, you know, sometimes there's rooms that physically require more than two people yeah. because of something There's that... a room that we had to have at least three people because we had to do, like, the kind of simultaneous key turns. Yeah. At three places that there's no way you can reach. They're all, like, at least ten feet apart uh-huh. from each other. And we had to go, like, the three, two, one now. Yeah. Know? Yeah, so sometimes there's that. But sometimes rooms are just two people it would be a real challenge because mm-hmm. there's so much to do. You know, we did a room once where you t- technically can do it with two, um, but it was very hard because there was a couple things where it was like, oh, man, one pair of hands would have just made this a lot easier. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, it, it makes it a little bit more challenging. You get to um, be more involved in all of the things. You have less people to rely on, which can also be more challenging because, you know, like when we go with our, our core group of four, two of them are like more artists than we are. So they're so, more like left-brained or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So they see things differently. One of them, you know, has an electrician background and things like that. So they see things differently or they have different knowledge sets that you and I may not have. Mm-hmm. So when it's just us, we really have to like expand ourselves and 
challenge ourselves to figure out puzzles that maybe normally, if we were with the rest of our group, we would pass off to them. Yeah. Um, it, it allows you to be able to concede quicker mm-hmm. that I cannot do this easily. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, doing it with just two people, you then have to push yourself further exactly. to try to get this. Mm-hmm. I remember we did one room early on in our escape room career. It was the bomb defusal room, the first one we ever did. And we were in the first room, like, I, I'm not sure how to do this. There was this puzzle that had to do with, and keep in mind, this is a couple years ago, so yes. forgive my memory. Yeah. But it was a puzzle that had something to do with pulling the ropes on like a cuckoo clock or something. Oh, yeah. And we both were kind of like, just like, I don't I get don't this. I don't get this. Do. We both kind of put kept put in the back burner. And then eventually I was looking at like, well, I have to step up and do this because she doesn't want to do it. I don't want to do it because we're both not getting it, but someone has to get this. Yeah. Like we have to figure this out. So, but you know, the pride I felt for finally figuring it out was even more mm-hmm. gratifying because it was a struggle. It wasn't yeah. just an easy like, oh, I know what I have to do. I just have to mm-hmm. do the busy work for it. I think that's the first. So like you said, that was the first time we did a room, just the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and prior to that too, we had only done room. I think we'd only done a, another room with um, like a stranger too. Yeah. So um, it was, you know, just us. In some ways, I would say the communication is easier. And in some ways, I think it can be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Um, in some ways, it's easier because, yeah, you only have two people. You don't have a large group that is all you don't have to keep to... sharing the story over and over again if i found this in the fireplace by moving the mantle. yeah and you don't have all these people spread out around the room doing other things talking at the same time and things like that um especially you know if you get paired with people who you don't know that mm-hmm. can also sometimes be difficult to um get that communication down with them yeah we had one time where we did um a room and this was one that it requires a real large amount of people and we had a huge group and we got paired with a, a group that does rooms together a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And it was difficult because we're used to just telling each other that and having our own communication style. And they were used to just telling the, them amongst their group and trying to communicate between the two groups yeah. was a little bit difficult. And I mean, it's it's hard enough just to remember new people's names. Yeah. So like, you don't want to be like, hey, um, Blondie, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. So. With two people, you better know the other person's name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, I think with two people, you can kind of understand um, one another's strengths a little bit more, yeah. too. Um, and you kind of know, okay, they're good at this, they're not good at this, or I need to explain it to this person in this way so that they'll understand mm-hmm. it. But I think, you know, doing a room as a couple can also be challenging in some ways because. Well, one, you may talk to your significant other differently than you might talk to um, someone else, especially if you're stressed. Yeah. You know, it's a lot easier to yell at your boyfriend than it is to yell at, you know, your <laughs> group of true. friends. Yeah. And I think you really, when it's just two of you two, you really have to like listen to one another mm-hmm. and like understand the other person's point of view or, you know, their thought process or things like that. You have to, you definitely have to listen to the other person yeah. very um, carefully and stuff like that. It is funny because it just it dawned on me too recently that a room that we did where I, I, I assumed that this wasn't one we did together, but I assumed that you and our friend knew what, um, like knew what I knew as far as like, oh, that's obvious to me. And mm-hmm. you guys were doing it. I'm like, you guys know how to do this. And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, it's obvious they, they know what to do. And then it turned out you didn't. And if I had just voiced my, my thought, we could have gotten through that so much faster. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think that's the same when you've got two people, you know, you don't want to talk down to the other person, um, but you also want to make sure that you're all both on the same page. Right. 
kind of moving away from the communication low aspect of doing escape rooms as two people, I think escape rooms, it's a great kind of bonding experience as well. And it does kind of help you get through those kind of communication issues or that kind of needing to rely on the other person Mm -hmm. and things like that, especially when things get, can get a little stressful or a little crazy or you're doing something that you've never done before (laughs) and also having to kind of rely on that other person sometimes. I totally get why, like, people might do escape rooms as dates as well, um, because it kind of, like, play, it's kind of like playing a game, right? Yeah. When you're on a date or something like that. It gives you an activity to do, so you're not just focused on let me ask questions mm-hmm. and, like, things like that and make small talk, where you're actually kind of getting to know that person without having to, like ask them all these questions and things like that. You're getting to know know them as a person and how they are kind of maybe even in their everyday life, even though this is probably something they don't do. Well, it definitely gives you an insight into how they process the world, Mm -hmm. what they look at first and how they organize it in their head. You Mm -hmm. know, like if you show them a picture on the wall of a bunch of cards, like a deck of cards, you know, and you know, clearly that's supposed to be a puzzle. You know, do they just see the cards? Are they trying to analyze it based upon the suits, based upon the numbers, based uh-huh. upon the colors? How are they looking at this thing and how do they approach it first? Yeah. And that can maybe tell you a bit about their personality and how mm-hmm. they like to break down things like observations about you even. Yeah. And also how they handle stressful situations, mm-hmm. how they handle things that may be different or scary or things they haven't encountered before. Right. Um, and also how, you know, are they able to just have fun with it? You know, mm-hmm. if that person walked in, like, okay, say you were on a date with a girl okay, and you walked into a room and I, I think we're probably thinking of the same puzzle that had a bunch of cards on the wall. Yeah. There's a bunch of pictures of yeah, cards, yeah, yeah. right? If she walked in and was just like, that's stupid, I don't know, I can't do it. Lemon law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be, it's kind of an automatic, okay, she's not even trying. Yeah. She's not looking beyond just what she's seen. Like, she's yeah. not trying to, like, okay, I just see cards, but there has to be a reason for these cards, or there has to be something different about these cards, or there, you right. know, there has to be but something But the thing is, here. she's not willing to try new things. She's uh-huh. not willing to look at this and say, why is this fun? Or try to think How creatively. can this be, you know, useful or uh-huh. things like that? So that means if we try to do other activities, like what if I then tr- tried to take her camping mm-hmm. and she never been camping before? Am I going to waste all the time taking us out to the woods for her then to go, this is stupid, I want to go home. Like, uh-huh, know. yeah. Or, you know, it's a little bit scary. Is she brave enough to walk into that dark room? Or yeah. is she, you know, like there's, there's a lot of things I think you can learn about a person doing an escape room yeah. for sure. Um, I do think, though, what one of the tips out um, that we will give you as far as doing escape rooms just as two, um, a lot of rooms have what they call either private booking or public booking. Public booking means that you are booking a number of slots, but those other slots are not being filled. So they can, be filled, they can be filled by anyone else. So you could be paired with complete strangers. Um, private means you are booking out the entire room. And mm-hmm. a lot of times what they'll do is they'll have different pay scales maybe. Um, sometimes they do. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it's just a flat fee. You book the entire room. You know, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, but other times there might be different pay scales and it will get cheaper the more people you have. Um, if you really just want to do a room with two, private booking is usually the way to go. Yeah. We've definitely been lucky of doing public rooms where we book it and we're the only two in there. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple ways you can kind of, it, it can be hard to, like, you, it's never a guarantee. Yeah. But um, booking on, like, really off weird times, 
like super, super late at night or super early when they first open. We've gotten really lucky with like noon escape rooms mm-hmm. on the weekends and stuff like that. Booking last minute can also sometimes um, ensure you a room to yeah. yourself. Um, I mean, it's never a guarantee and we've definitely booked one, thought we were the only people, thought we were the only people and got there and been paired with strangers. But we have been lucky, especially, like I said, booking kind of those off times. Um, A lot of times people want to go to escape rooms in the evening, after work, after dinner, things like that. Um, So, like I said, doing something um, kind of at that weird, maybe earlier time Mm -hmm. can sometimes guarantee that you'll be alone in the room. Um, Because just sometimes not all rooms have public booking. And also, sometimes they will have both. It can be public or private, mm-hmm. but it costs a lot more to do private. So sometimes you can just get lucky doing the public. Yeah. Also, the last thing I want to share about why it's good to do just two people mm-hmm. for an escape room is that it gives you a, kind of an intimate story to share afterwards. Yeah. You know, like it's a memory that just the two of us have. Uh-huh. You know, unless you share with other people, then yeah. that's fine. But I'm saying escape rooms, not that they're all in completely like this, but a lot of experiences are very much in the realm of you had to be there. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, you can explain as much as you want how cool it was that when you picked up the pendant, the mm-hmm. sarcophagus opened up and the thing was there. But, like, to actually be there and experience it and get that chill of, like, oh, my gosh, this is happening. Uh-huh. It's, it's something different. Yeah. You know? And being able to share that with just one person and know that, like, between all the people that we know, we are the ones who actually have experienced uh-huh. this. That's something kind of special. Yeah, yeah, and I do think there's a fun, you know, like we said, ha- not having to share the puzzles with so many people. Mm. Um, there's definitely like more of a sense too when, you know, you're working on something and I figure it out and you didn't figure it out. One, it's like I know how your brain works and how my brain works very mm-hmm. differently. Oh, so that if, happens a lot, So if by I the way. figure out something that he didn't know, I'm like, oh, cool, like I, I did it or whatever. But also there's that pride too in like, I, you know, I'm sure you've had this and I'm thinking particularly in a room that um, we did. It was a, I think we've already covered it on here, but it was like a carnival themed room. Yeah, we did And that. there was this one puzzle um, where you had to essentially put like a spice into air vents. Mm-hmm. And I figured out that they were air vents. And, you know, you didn't figure that out. And I'm not to say like not to put you down. No, I just, but, I didn't investigate them closely. Yeah, now. but like you... I, didn't you kind of have a little bit of a sense of pride? Like, oh man, my, my girlfriend's really smart. Yeah, <laughs> like, I did. She I was like, how out. did you find that? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you kind of have a sense of pride and sometimes when your partner figures something yeah. out that you couldn't do or that you should have been able to do and see something a little bit different than you did. Right. Um, so that that's fun too, to have kind of that sense of pride in your partner that they figured something out. Plus then it gives you... Great cannon fodder for, you know, like compliments. Like, oh my God, mm. great job. Yeah, or In you're fact, so smart. We've or... even got a, a nickname for Lauren. <laughs> we do have a nickname we, for me. <laughs> can I share it? You can share my nickname. <laughs> I have a nickname that that's between just Lauren and I. We call her Eagle Eyes because <laughs> she spots everything. Yeah, yeah, that's kind <laughs> like, of my... I will be like, I literally looked right at that thing and I did not see that $5 on the ground. Mm-hmm. And you just happen to look and like, oh, there's five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's my one strength sometimes in escape rooms is I'm the one who's good at finding all the little pieces and figuring out what things have like hidden compartments. And, and stuff. I'm good at like kind of conceptualizing like all the possibilities of like this could go with that this could go with that yeah yeah and especially yeah and especially if it's very um 
kind of high concept things and very I'm abstract. High concept, yeah. If it's very abstract, Greg's really good at abstract yeah. things. But usually I go too abstract True, for you, everything. You can and you're like it. And you're like, calm down, like bring, bring <laughs> it back, back down to earth. Reel you know? it back. <laughs> so, then, so then when I do most of the work and then you solve it at the end because I was being too abstract, <laughs> I always have the joke of, well, I loosened it for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I loosened that jar. But I mean, I think, you know, like I said, I think escape rooms are a really fun group activity. They're a great way to bond with your friends. But I do think you can have a lot of fun just doing it as two sometimes. Also, one last thing before we move Mm -hmm. on. Most escape rooms are usually tested to see can two people do this in the time limit we allot. Uh And I think... To be fair, all escape rooms have to be able to do it with a min- whatever the minimum number of people to yeah. say. They're designed that if this number of people, which is usually two, mm-hmm. are really firing in all cylinders, they can get through this room yeah. in the hour. And so, to my point of with two people, you're usually going to come a lot closer to that deadline, which is all the much more exciting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You might, you know, if there's four of us, we may get out of a room in 30 minutes. But if there was only two of us, it, it may might take us. Yeah, exactly. It may take us the full amount of time just because if there's more things for us to work on. We have le- less um, less resources. Many hands make for quicker work. Yeah, exactly. And when I paid for an hour, kind of want an hour. And like <laughs> yeah. we've said... Many times before on this podcast, if it's a great room, it does not matter if you win. Yeah, if and anything, it also not winning is incentive to come back and try it again. Yeah, and it also doesn't matter if you take a half hour or you take an hour if it's a good room. Yeah, there's been rooms where we've gotten out in like 30 minutes, and I felt really disappointed because I just felt like that was there wasn't enough to that room. It was way too easy. It was just not. I don't feel like I got a full experience for my money. But then but there's, there's rooms we've done in 30 minutes that we were just fired in all cylinders. And we're yeah. like, that was fantastic. And that was a great room. We, yeah, we blew through it, but like, it was awesome. There's nothing I would change about it. You know what I mean? There's, it just all depends on kind of the room itself and the experience and what the puzzles were like, right. you know? But let's take it back home, mm-hmm. you know? We talked about why it's fun to do escape rooms with two players, but now let's talk about good board games that you can play if it's just the two of us. Mm-hmm. So we've talked before about how the number of players for certain board games uh-huh. really affects how enjoyable they may or may not be. Uh-huh. And when you suggested this topic, the very first thing that jumped to my mind was the Big Book of Madness. Mm. Because that's a very fun game that I love to play where it's a deck drafting game. And uh-huh. you're, you're kind of like Harry Potter where like you're students in like a wizard school. Uh-huh. But it's also sort of like that Avatar show where like you're mastering the elements of water, earth, fire, and air. Uh-huh. And you have to put these monsters that are jumping out of this book of magic kind of like you have to do spells to take care of them uh-huh. you know to make sure that they get put away and they don't go free and the problem with it is that it goes up to five players but that means that everybody per round only really gets one turn mm-hmm. and in this game since it's a deck drafting game you really have to have the ability for each monster to have at least two turns so you yeah. can kind of like get yourself set up and then uh-huh. lay out the spell. So definitely, in my opinion, a game that does much better with two players would be Big mm-hmm. Book of Madness because then each player gets at least two turns. One of you get three turns per monster. Uh-huh. So that way you can really like go through your deck, yeah. strategize, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. How can I 
set myself up to kind of strike the finishing blow. Yeah. Yeah. And we, that one definitely is one we found. We normally play it with four mainly because it's our friend's game. They own it and we don't. But one time we played it with five and it was terrible with five. It's impossible with five in my opinion. Yeah. And I mean like technically, technically the game goes up to that many players. It's not like we were trying to stretch the game past what it should go, but like playing it with that many players was terrible. Um, So one of mine, I would say is actually one that we um, just recently played actually um, but is Clank. I actually prefer Clank with just two players. I know mm-hmm. it goes up to four, and I think it's perfectly fine at four. It's not like I dislike it at four. Yeah. Um, but I just have more, I enjoy it more when it's just two of us playing. Um, I think just because it's one of those games that by the time it gets, like when you have four people, by the time it gets around to your turn again, it's like one of those where all of your plans have gone away, all of the cards you may have wanted have gone away, yeah. all of the other players have done things to mess with what you could have done. And not intentionally. So, it's yeah, just, it's just the, the they nature. They also wanted that too. Yeah, it's just the nature of the game. So I just, I feel like even though I know it is a deck building and you maybe don't get through as many of the possibilities mm-hmm. within the deck um, with just two, I think it's a more enjoyable experience. Well, also in Clank, that's a game in which you can be killed by the game because uh-huh. it's not player versus player necessarily it's each player for him or herself yeah against the game uh-huh but if it's a four player and there's things you can do to heal yourself uh-huh. it's limited options but there are ways you can protect yourself and heal yeah. yourself from certain you know bad things yeah happening. and you can also play more cautiously and things like but that. the thing is if you're playing aggressively not cautiously uh-huh. and you need to heal and you needed like one more movement but you couldn't quite squeeze it out to get to like the health well uh-huh and then it has to now go through my turn and his turn and yeah her turn. you can get like, really you can be killed mm-hmm. before it's your turn again meanwhile if it was just my turn then you'd be like okay well i can take the maximum amount of damage possible in greg's turn and still be fine. Yeah. But if I have to go through his turn, and then her turn, and then my other friend's turn, I could get really destroyed here. And oftentimes is the case for, in my in my case. You know, yeah, and actually, to me. you've come up with a variant for Clank that makes it um, cooperative. Where I have. we're actually working together. Yeah, I've actually come, This is just something I tooled around with in my own head. Uh-huh. We haven't tried it yet. Yeah. But my variant is that you're trying to like do the big heist together. Mm-hmm. And so you are both trying to get a certain point value. Uh-huh. Because the clank, it, it's a bit too complicated to explain in a short amount of time. But there's different ways you can score points the game. And once you get out and finish the game, then you score up all your points. Uh-huh. But my thing would be that you can get multiple points and even have people make back and forth trips to the exit. You know, so that uh-huh. you can go back and get more and more stuff. And I mean, the point value would be super high. Like, you have to get yeah. 300 points between two people. Mm-hmm. But if you're working together and then, you know, trying to, like, help each other get the better deck. You know, I'm not, like, competing, like, oh, I'm going to get this card in the adventure road just because Lauren wants it. Uh-huh. I'm going to keep it there so that way you can get it. Or I'll okay, I won't go and grab this treasure because I know you need me to kill this monster before it does more harm to us than good. Yeah, yeah, especially if, you know, oh, I pulled these cards. What are the chances you're going to pull this one? So I better take care of this now because Mm -hmm. I have the cards. Um, I think, you know, one of, I think, uh, uh, homework for us yeah. is going to be to play it that way and report back well, yeah, in a future episode. I mean, in that game, you you have cards that give you clanks, which like uh-huh. you put little cubes in an area to, that's essentially you making noise. But how great would it be if on my turn, I have a card that says minus two clank and I can choose, do I want to remove my clank or your clank? Mm-hmm. Like, because I'm, I'm hushing the noise. 
but how great could it be if like I'm hushing your noise to protect you because I don't have a whole lot of cubes in the back, but you've got uh-huh. like tons. Yeah, yeah, like our last game. <laughs> I always make the joke in Clank that whenever someone puts a bunch of cubes in the board, you're essentially like the tin man doing his dance. Like, yeah, well, in our last game, which I, like I said, we, we played with multiple people recently. Um, I had some cards that purposely gave me extra points if I did clank. Mm-hmm. So I was purposely getting more and more stuff that would make me clank. So I had a ton in the bag, but somehow I kept getting lucky where my cubes were just not being pulled. Yeah. But then it was getting down to the end and I'm like, they're, they're going to be all me Gotta soon. Leave. Gotta like, leave right I now. have to leave because yeah. it my luck is going to And I looked at the bag out. and like four-fifths of them were all orange cubes. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you better, because I was dead at this point, yeah. so I can just look in the bag. It doesn't matter to me. And I'm like, you better run. <laughs> um, another one I think is good for just two players is any ticket to ride. Yeah, I mean, I Ticket to that. Ride, it's a staple now. It's the new Monopoly, as we said yes, before. Yes, for sure. But the thing about Ticket to Ride and why it's good for two players mm-hmm. is that... Unless you're playing the Norwegian, the Norwegian countries map, uh huh, which is meant for us, which is map. meant for two or three players. Yeah. If you played any other map, right? Mm. Usually they go for like I think four to five players. Yeah, that's uh, usually it. I think. To further max, and that like you're going to have people intersecting, needing to go to different cities. You're gonna you're gonna have someone who didn't make all their routes. Like right. it's just gonna happen. But in a in a two player game. Yes, there's the possibility that we both might need to go to Paris. Uh-huh. Let's just say we're doing the European yeah. map. And maybe I take a route that you needed. But the odds of that happening mm-hmm. are significantly lower. Yeah, than and there's if we were usually, playing with three or four. There's usually more options as well then too, yeah. where it's like, Oh man, you took that really good route to Paris. I can still get there, but it's gonna be more difficult. Yeah, because it's know? not gonna be that you're committing against me and him and her to get yeah. there. It's you're committing against me, and then you can easily take a side route that maybe takes you two turns instead of one to make that connection. Uh-huh. You can do it. And so I think then the game changes from just a rush to get stuff down on the board, mm-hmm. you know, and having that stress to being more strategically like. Do I want to spend my cards on this or should I keep fishing for other things? You know? uh-huh. So it, it kind of changes the priorities mm-hmm. of the game, I think. You know, yeah. it makes it a little bit simpler, a little bit more easy breezy, mm-hmm. if you'll kind of, you know, go with me on that uh, <laughs> that uh, statement. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it, it makes it so that it's not as hardcore of a game. Yeah, it's not as stressful or um, competitive either. You know, I think it can definitely get really competitive when you have a large group playing together. Yeah, so I think with two people, there's very few times in which you want to jump across the table and strangle me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that, that's the thing, like Ticket to Ride is a, just a really fun game. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather have fun with it and not have it be stressful. Yeah, and so like it's, essentially then you're you're more playing against the game itself of like, oh, I cannot get any like white cards to come up. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, another one that um, I was thinking of, and actually this isn't a specific game, but just in general, um, is the Forbidden series of games. Mm-hmm. Um, the Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert, um, and the new Forbidden Sky. Mm-hmm. Forbidden Sky in particular, I really like playing as a two-player. Yeah. I think it works really well. Forbidden Desert can be a little difficult as a two-player, um, although Forbidden Desert just in, in general is a little bit more of a difficult game, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are Mensa games. So, um, but um, all of those, I think they're, first of all, they're cooperative. So that's always nice. You're not working against one another, especially when it's just two people. Um, So there's not really a winner or a loser. Um, But I just, I think they're, they're nice games to just play as two. 
Well, I think the reason why Forbidden uh, Sky especially mm -hmm. is so punishing with more players is because there's multiple ways for one player to die. Uh-huh, yeah. There. In Forbidden Desert, the only thing you're really trying to have to mitigate is the sand building up, mm -hmm. you know? And same with Forbidden Island. You just had to mitigate the water coming up, you yeah. know? So you have to, like, constantly be shoring up the island or in, or in Desi, you have to constantly be blowing the sand away and making sure that you're not out when the sun beats down. Mm -hmm. But if you have enough water, you can be fine with that. But in Forbidden Sky, you're constantly having to deal with lightning strikes. You constantly have to deal with the wind blowing you, of course. Uh -huh. You know, it's it's all these, all these offenses upon your person directly. And it's not just you. It's everybody. So uh -huh. once again, we have the issue of if you have four players and that's three whole other turns, I have to sit here and hope that I can survive, that I survive before I get the agency to come back and try to protect myself. Yeah. Again. And there's been times where we played with four players where I was fine at the uh -huh. start of my turn or the end of my turn. I was perfectly fine. Comes back around to me and I had a plan of like, okay, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And then that will help the group. Uh -huh. Comes back to my turn. I have to heal. Yeah. I, I can't just do got any struck by things. lightning six times, got blown off the thing once or twice. Uh -huh. So my rope is pretty frayed. And if I don't do this, then we lose. Because the problem with those games is one person dies, everybody loses. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, the other thing, too, I think with um, Forbidden Sky in particular as well, is you're trying to make a circuit, essentially. And so you have to kind of be somewhat um, systematic about how you do that and approach it. Because you can easily lay out the board in a way that you can't make the circuit correctly. Yeah. Um, so having less people kind of helps kind of be able to foresee how the circuit is going to work. Yeah. Um, my last one, that's kind of a general category, not mm -hmm. a specific game, but I mean, you just did a series of games, so I feel True. like I'm entitled to this now, <laughs> is any escape room in a box. Yeah. The, you know what's funny about those escape room in the boxes is they always say like, oh, it's a party game and it's for all these people. It is not. No, we have definitely found that those work best with two. <laughs> I, have, I have done this with multiple groups. Like, yes. Not just the same group multiple times, but at least two different groups mm -hmm. of people and in both cases half the people at the table were just sitting there looking bored because i can't see the actual item in front of me uh -huh. that i need to look at just yeah. going back to our previous main topic when i said the the metaphor with the telescope like only one person can look through a telescope at a time mm -hmm. you know so like if you're not looking through the telescope you're sitting there waiting patiently until you're, it's your turn. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, I don't think that they're that great for two. The good thing about these escape room in the boxes even is if you are, um, they can be played single player too. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of nice if you don't have, you want kind of that experience, but you don't have people to do it with. But I mean, two player, like at least then if I'm not getting something, maybe it's going to click exactly. in your head. Exactly, yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But anything more than two and like it's too many people crowding around one side of the yeah table. yeah and it's too many hands in the pot because two people like next to each other on the table if they're significant others you can kind of cuddle up too and you know <laughs> be like all right so this is nice and cozy <laughs> but yeah definitely we found that i don't care what they say they just they don't work with large groups no. um any kind of escape room in the box do it with two players don't two players, don't buy yeah. it as a party thing because no. i mean I, i've heard people say they like them but there's a good chance that a bunch of people felt left out the only way i would do a party with that is a competition if it's yeah. one of those ones where like i forget the name of the brand but it's where it's like reusable it's like just a deck of cards and uh -huh. you're just like using an app on your phone mm -hmm. and then going through the deck of cards 
then you can like, okay, Lauren and I are going to go and we're going to time ourselves and see what kind of a score we get. Mm-hmm. And then we'll pass it off to our two friends and then they can go. And then meanwhile, we'll go off and do whatever else. Yeah. You know? Like maybe there's a movie going on with like the rest of the party or something, mm-hmm. you know, but like you can kind of take turns. And I'm, yeah. it sounds weird, but I'm sure you can make it work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think, I believe that's the unlock series that you can that's play it, multiple unlocked. times. I, I was like, yeah, it that's, exit. that's the other thing to know. And I think we, we are like, we've done a lot of these and we want to do like an episode um, where we talk specifically about escape room in a boxes and kind of tell you about all the different brands and stuff. But it's hard to know, like, there's so many of them. Um, trying to play them all and kind of know how many is, you know, when we stop, it's kind of hard to determine because yeah. we don't have, we don't have dispo- indisposable income, unfortunately. So yeah. um, we can't buy all the ones we want as soon as we might want. Um, I would say the one other one that um, I want to end with for this is um, the Arena of the Gods. Yes. I like that as a two-player game. I like the two different variants where you're just playing player to player or you might, you know, you might control two different gods. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like the other version where, um, and I, I don't know if it was, in, was that one in the book? Yeah, it's in that? the book. It's called uh, Attack the Titan. Attack the Titan, where essentially one player is controlling multiple heroes and the other one is controlling one hero, but that hero is quite buffed up compared mm-hmm. to the others. Um, I like both of those as two players. I, I think it's a fine game with multiple people. We've played it with multiple people, yeah. but I've enjoyed it more when it's just the two of us. The other problem with that game when you're doing more than two people mm-hmm. is that then if you keep picking on one person, they might take it personally. <laughs> yeah. Whereas when it's when it's just two of you, you have no choice. You're the only other person. Yeah. <laughs> you're it. And we're not just going to sit here and, you know, like twiddle our thumbs. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're here to kill each other. <laughs> So those are just our favorite two-player games. We'd love to hear what your favorite two-player games are Mm -hmm. and what you like to play with your um, significant other or just best friend. Yeah, or best friend. Yeah. Or, you know, sibling who you're forced to spend time with. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because let's face it, that's the situation. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We've talked enough about escape rooms without doing an escape room report. Let's fix that now. Okay, so we we had a chance to recently do two rooms back to back, just the two of us. Kind of spur of the moment. Too. Very spur of the moment. So we were <laughs> impulsive. Yeah. So it just happened. We were sitting around. I don't remember if we had done something earlier that day or what. Um, we didn't have any. Something. Yeah, we didn't have any particular plans or anything, and it just happened. I was on Instagram. Just lazy Saturday. And I saw that this room was having. Um, they had like a discount code good for just that day, mm-hmm. and it was it was quite a significant like percentage off. And, and I mean, good on them because. I, we looked at their calendar and like uh-huh. it, it was, was pretty much like listen we're not getting anyone in right now for mm-hmm. this part of the day we want to make use of this room and this time it's kind of like hotels with like yeah. last minute discounts like yeah. that they're like hey if no one's going to sleep in here we're not making money yeah exactly you know? yeah it was like a you know last minute they had a slow day so they put up a promo code and I'm really surprised I don't see this more with escape mm-hmm. rooms like I you see a lot of emails if you ever go to an escape room and you give them your email when you uh-huh. like sign the waiver and stuff Oftentimes, they'll give you emails of, like, codes of, like, oh, Promos, yeah. use the promo code CURSE on this mm-hmm. weekend, and you'll get 25% off or whatever. Yeah, and that's fine. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. That's great. But I wish more escape rooms would do this as well of, like, hey, no one's – we're having a slow day. Let's throw out this code and get people in. Because uh-huh. oftentimes, we do rooms – and we want our friends to come back with us. Yeah. We don't want to spend the full price to redo a room we've already done. Yeah. But if they're having a slow day and it's 25% off, I'm willing to do that. Yeah. And so this, in this case too, so the room that, or the location we went to is called Exodus Escape Rooms. And they are kind of like a um, chain throughout California. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and we've done some of their rooms at a different location once before. Yeah. And we, so this company, they kind of fall into this. We didn't dislike their rooms, but we didn't love their rooms. They're, they were kind of one of those locations that they were very limited by their space. Yeah. They were just sort of in an office space on the top floor of this little industrial thing. And they really couldn't do much with, like, they can't change any of the layout. They have to leave the existing doors. It looks like it was a medical office at one point or something did, like that. It did. It did. Yeah, right. like, I'm pretty sure it was probably a dentist office at one point. Um, so they're very limited by that footprint. And so, you know, as far as theming goes, it's not that great. Um, some of their puzzles are okay. It kind of varied from room to room. One of the rooms we did we really liked, and then one of the other ones not so much. Mm -hmm. So we haven't gone back to them, and we had never gone to any of their other locations, even though they have some close by. Um, so this was kind of that motivator to, it's cheap enough, we're not doing anything. We decided to go get conveyor belt sushi, you know, oh, it was just right. like, it was kind of like, okay, let's, let's just go do this. Let's just have fun. Let's go do this. Um, you know, if, if it's a terrible room, it will make for a very fun escape room report, right? Like that was kind of the, the idea behind it. Yeah. And having that promo code is probably what made us do it. If it had been a full price, no. we probably would have thought twice about it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like I said, I don't remember exactly what it was. I want to say it was like 20% off or something. It was like pretty significant, like cut. It was, yeah, it was enough to make us go, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, exactly. So we booked their... Because like, like you said, we have done a couple of these rooms before. Uh -huh. We know their reputation. Yeah. If you look at them compared to Generation 1 status of escape rooms, uh -huh. they're pretty good. Yeah. But if you look at them compared to the generation that we're on now, mm -hmm. when you have things like 60 out... Yeah, or, or the basement. Or, yeah, or... then like, they're kind of like outdated. Mm -hmm. But it's still fun to ride around in a Model T, despite the fact that Mustangs are out there. You know what I <laughs> mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, sometimes, you know, it's like, yeah, we like rooms that have really great um, theming and atmosphere, and it's, you know, the, it looks like you're, you know, stepped into a movie, mm -hmm. but sometimes if you can't do that, which not all escape rooms can, if you have a good puzzle and you were really clever, like, that still counts for something, right? Yeah, and we've said that plenty yeah. of times before, yeah. So that's kind of what these guys do. Like, yeah. they have the potential to do, like, okay, that's a pretty clever, fun puzzle. Uh -huh. So we're like, we'll give you your chance. Yeah. So we booked their um, Quake Escape Room. Yeah. Um, so this room is you're essentially set in, like, a, a fancy restaurant when an earthquake hits. Yeah. And you need to, you know, essentially get out. Um, you know, and that's pretty much, I believe, like all of your, your objective. You're not trying to, I it, can't it remember was, if you It was a to... weird story. Like once again, this felt like a very early escape room, mm -hmm. you know, because like, as, what's the narrative here? Again? Yeah. You know, like at one point we had to shut off the gas main, which like, that's fine. That's immediate danger. Uh -huh. But like. Then we had to, like, get into the manager's office and hack his computer for some reason. Yeah, like, I feel like there was another objective, but whatever it was, it's not. it didn't make a lasting impression on me of no. what we had to do. Um, so this room's interesting because it actually, it goes up to 10 players. It, it's anywhere from 2 to 10, which is quite a lot for an escape room. Yeah. Um, they recommend 6 to 10. No. Um, so we kind of went in this going, like, we may fail, but, like, we're going to try. Yeah. Um, it is a very big space. At least. So at least yeah. they're not trying to cram all those people in there if it, you do have a lot of people. And that's a complaint I usually have. Like, there's no way you can comfortably fit six people in here. Yeah, but yeah, This one, you could fit ten people in here comfortably. Yeah. Um, and it does, you know, it looks like a restaurant, kind of. You know, it's very simple. It looks like a restaurant if a high school production was <laughs> yeah. trying to, like, portray a restaurant uh -huh. on, like, their budget. Yeah. Like, here is a table. Here are two chairs. 
candle uh-huh. restaurant. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of it was lock-based. Like we said, this is a very generation one room. So mm-hmm. you were just, you know, oh, here's a combination lock. Here's a, um, a directional lock. Yeah. You know, things like that. Um, the main thing that slowed us down in that room is just neglecting to pick up a folder and look on the back of it. <laughs> which yeah. is very frustrating to us. Yeah. Um, and kind of not realizing which lock they were talking about necessarily. Um, there's definitely, I think, more they could have done. I thought the... The being able to do that physical thing of shutting off the gas line. That was fun. fun. Um, And then, so then when you get into the second room, um, they did have some cool things. Like they had something that like kind of you like cranked down from the ceiling. So that was Mm kind of cool. Um, But at the same time, like what is this in this world? Yeah. Well, and then there was this one part where you had to put like these keys in and it triggered something and I didn't even realize it triggered it. And like later I'm like, did that do anything? He's like, oh yeah, that's what let you get into there. And I'm like, oh, I had no idea those two things were connected. I just did something. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, So, you know, there was definitely some some disconnects in the room Mm -hmm. as far as um, what, you know, um, what they could have done. It was, you know, just sort of simple generation one puzzles. There also was a puzzle in there that had to deal with reading music sheets. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know how to read music sheets and there was enough information there for me to be able to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like that's kind of verging on the territory of outside knowledge needed to do better. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, and I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was very unclear what we were at first what we were supposed to do with the um, the uh, um, with the music with the music there, sheets. Yeah. yeah. And keep in mind, this is the same company that one time we did a room that was literally about the Book of Exodus. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I know the answer because I went to Sunday school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They also um, have my least favorite hint system. Where it's just a computer screen where they type out. Oh, I hate um, the live typing. Yeah, I, re- I really am not a fan of that kind of um, giving uh, advice and stuff. Um, the one thing I did think was like, kind of cool with this room is they had like an audio thing that made it sound like you were having an earthquake. That and was fun. They they must like have they had, don't have a way to shake the floor, but they but have enough. They like did something where they they sh- they turned up like the bass enough or something that it kind of was like buzzing to where yeah. you kind of felt like it was shaking, even though it's not physically mm-hmm. shaking. So like they did a good job with that. I thought, um, like we said, you know, it was kind of it's very early generation room low. Um, so we you know we dig it out pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, with just two. And considering this room can go up to 10 people, I would not want to go to this room with it's, 10. You know, I'm trying to think about it. I don't think there's 10 puzzles. Yeah, there weren't very many. Like, like I'm not saying the puzzles are bad or anything, but it's just like, I don't think there's a lot of puzzles to do. Uh-huh. And as we just talked about, part of the escape rooms is like, I did this. Mm-hmm. So like, if there's barely enough puzzles for one per person... Is yeah. that really a good experience? Um, and I feel like, you know, it wasn't completely linear. I think it maybe felt a little linear because there was just the two of us. Yeah. But I think there, there's definitely a couple times where we were working on separate things. I do feel like if you're really, you know, just on it that day, you could probably get out of this room in 15 minutes. Possibly, yeah. With two yeah. people. Um, yeah, it's just, it's not a very hard room. There's nothing super special about it. Um, you know, it wasn't like we didn't have a great time. It was just sort of, you know, okay. It was, was a, fun. It was a satisfactory enough that like it scratched the escape room itch uh-huh but like it wasn't my top 50 yeah um so we come out of that room you know we had an okay time and they mentioned that you know if you um they will do like a return 
um, discount as well. And they also mentioned that they, they don't have anyone else booked for the day. Yeah. Um, and they would be willing to give us the same discount we got if we wanted to do their brand new room, which was Pharaoh's Curse, which they said is a much more um, difficult, you know, very much newer room. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, we were like, okay, that, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, you know? that's fine. Um, as we said, once you do an escape room, you pretty much instantly want to do another one. So that's how we felt. Offering so they, the same discount. Yeah, exactly. So they were like, have a seat. We're going to get it ready for you, and then you can do it. And so now this room, this room goes to two to eight. Um, they recommend it for four to eight. Eight would be a bit cramped in this room. That's Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This room is, I would say, it's much more difficult than the Quake room. There's a lot more puzzles. There's a lot more um, difficult puzzles. And the space is much smaller. But the space is much And also the first smaller. room is a small room that's meant to feel like a museum exhibit. So, like, literally, you could bump stuff over and break it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like eight's kind of pushing it. I could see four doing this room. I think it's a really good room for Tulo, um, just because oh, of the yeah. space and like the puzzles and stuff. Um, so this room is there's basically an artifact in this Egyptian exhibit that's unleashed a curse, and so your your job is to set things right and find the item and get it to its correct resting place to stop the curse. To stop the curse because MacGuffin reason. Hey, yeah. <laughs> So I will, I'll give this room one of my highest praises is that it has an extra room. That you did not see coming. You, I, I, I kind of figured like this has to have an extra room, but I could not figure out how we were going to get into that extra room mm-hmm. because they were able to disguise the hidden door so well that I didn't see it. Yeah. And that's usually pretty hard to do. Yeah, because normally we're like, oh, okay, so bookcase is going to open, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a false, you know, wall. Or, oh, that's, yeah, exactly. Um, so this one, they, like, definitely hit it in a way that, like, I did not see it coming. I always like whenever they have a hidden door to go to new thing that you have to mm-hmm. crawl through something. Yeah. So, like, oftentimes it's, like, in the big wardrobe. Mm-hmm. So whenever I go through there, I'm like, Mr. Tumnus? <laughs> Mr. Tumnus, I'm here for the Turkish delight. <laughs> Um, but this room definitely had a lot, a huge variety of puzzles. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I think probably one of the reasons they recommend it for so many people is just because of the amount of puzzles. Mm -hmm. Um, but I thought it worked really well for us. The one thing that was kind of funny is they actually utilized an iPod to play like an audio track, which reminded me a lot of Evil Genius. I was gonna say, we did that before. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense because you're doing a museum tour. Uh Uh-huh. And it's like one of those audio tours that you can like pay $5 for. Yeah. it's the thing. Um, it was funny though because like it was almost out of batteries and huh. like <laughs> you guys need to charge this. Yeah, we were like, oh, I hope this doesn't run out. <laughs> there was a puzzle in there that because we had the conversation with the dude afterwards, uh-huh. and he was actually saying like they're thinking about taking that puzzle out, and I said no, that's one of the best puzzles. You need to keep it mm-hmm. where they have a styrofoam head, mm-hmm. and it's in the children. It's really cool how they did this museum because they actually have like a children's section, uh-huh. which supposed to be like exhibits that the kids can interact, can touch with and hands and on, and can touch. Right, so that's fun because yeah. everything else is like in glass casing. Uh-huh. You eventually can get the glass cases open to interact. With yeah, them. which scared me a little bit because I was like, I don't want to break anything. Right, <laughs> but like I thought it was fun that like they actually have like here's a part that you can actually touch. Uh-huh. So they have this styrofoam head. That's like, wrap up the Egyptian like it's a mummy, you uh-huh. know, but make sure you do it the right way kind of thing. And so essentially, you have these kind of Velcro-like latches uh-huh. on the head, and they have like different colors, like orange and orange, blue and blue, uh-huh. green and green. You eventually find these strips of bandages. Like linen bandages. That are, that are marked orange, uh-huh. blue, green, and you're meant to put them onto the thing. 
And as long as you put them in the right orientation and put them down in the right order, mm -hmm. then if you look at the thing and you did it right, you can see, oh, it spelled something. Yeah. And that's a code or a clue that I need to uh -huh. unlock whatever. Yeah. And they, a lot of the people who apparently work there are saying like, so many people struggle with this. It doesn't work. And I'm mm -hmm. like, no, that's a fantastic one because it's much more kinesthetic. It's much more hands-on uh -huh. and I can interact with it. It's not just putting numbers into a lock. Yeah. And it's not. It's as, original. And it's not as basic because we've done other ones where you had to wrap something around something and in no, order to get a clue. And that's fine. But those are always usually very straightforward. It's just about wrapping it. Yeah. And then you see the word. And it's just the action of wrapping it. That is the so-called hand quote puzzle. This one, you have to wrap it in a very specific way. And there's a there's clues to tell you what that way is. It's, it's a puzzle within a puzzle within a puzzle. But, but like I said, yeah, the only reason why this is so hard for most people uh -huh. is because you have to wrap it so that all the wrappings go in the right orientation. Mm -hmm. And they all have to go down in the right order. Or it won't work. And there's like... I, five of them yeah. so that's like you know yeah you had you had to do it like twice before yeah, you got it right but it's because i kind of got lucky the first time uh -huh. i was like oh i just have to change these two then i yeah. can see it so i told him all you really need to do is give a clue that gives you one of those two orders mm -hmm. give us a clue either like mark each end with a star that's like stars here star there triangle there triangle there uh -huh. so that way you know oh star to star triangle triangle or give us some kind of a clue that gives us the color order that they need to go down in. Mm -hmm. And then let it decide back and forth. One of those you can leave ambiguous, but the other one you need to give us some kind of a, you know, you know, guideline there. And then it's such a great puzzle because also it gets me into the world of wrapping a pharaoh for his burial kind uh -huh. of thing. Yeah. You know, like how you have for kids in museums, like get mm -hmm. them into the world. Yeah. And so I was like, don't you dare get rid of that puzzle. It's fantastic. It's one of the best ones, mm -hmm. you know, in yeah. my opinion. Though this room also infuriated me because they had a box that had a hidden compartment in the bottom. That, it, that was my, that, yeah, that's my that one complaint. That they had no clues about. Yeah, that was my one complaint. They had a, um, a box that, yeah, it had oh, a with hidden. With a false bottom. With a false bottom. But there was no way to actually tell that there was a false bottom. I, we just sort of got lucky or we got a clue no, no. or something. We had to be specifically told yeah. that box has a false and, bottom. And you kind of like, it's one of those two, if you had started to do it and not realize that it was a false bottom, like, cause the box, it's one of those boxes, like the, they're like, they sold, sell them in craft stores where if you pull the bottom out, the whole thing kind of collapses yeah. so that you can store it easily and stuff like that. Um, so if you started to do that, you would think you were breaking it, you know? So like that kind of, that was kind of an annoyance where it kind of slowed us down. And then it was like, well, how are we supposed to know that there's a false bottom? Like, that's annoying. Um, like what, there's no clue written down about like, oh, you know, Professor Jones, he likes to put false bottoms in his thing for smuggling operations. Mm -hmm. Nothing like that. Yeah, exactly. So that was kind of frustrating. Um, one of the things I did think was funny, though, is there's kind of this little side narrative going on, too, about um, complaints of the that museum was pretty staff. Great. That's so funny. I thought that was kind of funny about like each one having these like different complaints about like, See, I, I don't like doing this. I and... feel like this company's on the verge of becoming great. Yeah, no, like this room like really turned me around as far as how I felt about this company, like this definitely shows a progression. Mm -hmm. Like the Quake Room, that reminded me of kind of their original stuff that they were doing a couple years ago when we first did them. We haven't done them in a good year, two years since. Oh, two years at least. Yeah, at least. And so that, that Quake Room, and I do believe the Quake Room, so we're talking about their Rancho Cucamonga location. 
Um, I do believe their Quake Room is one of the original ones they have at that location. Yeah, and you can tell. Um, yeah, and we knew, knew for a fact that Pharaoh's Curse was brand new because um, they had just recently done like a um, promo event to like, oh, we're opening mm-hmm. this new room and some of our friends had gone. So we knew this room was brand new and it definitely shows like they have progressed, they have learned, they're headed in the right direction. They may not have the budget or the space that some of these other locations have, but they're they're really stepping up and doing as much as they can with what they have but see my problem with them though is that like yes you do want to design new rooms you Uh want to keep people coming back but once you have a room that's such an age Uh you need to start updating it yeah you need to either completely be ready to take it out and put something new in there Mm -hmm. or like bring it up to value and scale with the other ones you know Mm -hmm. like they have so many other ones like the exodus like the even like the masquerade one, which we didn't like as much, but uh-huh. you know, at least which... it has better props. It has somewhat better puzzles and mm-hmm. engagement. The Quake Escape, that's got to be their very first room, based upon how basic it is. And yeah, it's like, for sure. even if you want to keep theme of an earthquake happens, mm-hmm. you can do so much more to get a better story, to get better, you know, uh, environmental decoration, uh-huh. to even put in some better puzzles or to fix some of the puzzle problems you've had with other ones. Yeah, because this. That room is literally, like, part of it's, like, use black light, look around for stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, did you look at the back of this binder that has an extra page there that you didn't have uh-huh. to see, you know? It, and then it's it's clearly level one. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the, it's early time, you know. And you, that room you've is also only... clearly learned enough lessons that you can go back and address this and fix it. Yeah, that room is something that kids might have fun doing or first timers might have fun doing. But anyone beyond that is probably going to think that room is way too basic you know um whereas you know there the pharaoh's curse it might not be the greatest room we've ever done but it was definitely a very solid it's respectable it deserves a golf clap (laughs) you know just (laughs) all right yeah and i mean i do think you know they have um so in addition they have one other room that we haven't done there um that that one i don't know if you can actually do as two so that's why we couldn't do it i think they it looks like they're they just have the recommended. They don't have the limit. Um, they recommend it for 6 to 12. Um, I don't know. Um, if you can do it too. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how many they will, uh, the, what's the minimum they will allow. Um, so, you know, I Some do, rooms though, even if they say the minimum is three or four, uh-huh. if you call them ahead of time and say, hey, listen, I want to do just two people. Yeah. Can we make that work? Yeah. Then they'll tell you if they can or not. Like the one that we did with the t- key turning, uh-huh. uh, which is another escape room we'll talk about in the future called Longbow. But that one, they said, well, you you kind of need three, but we can rig it. Yeah. So you can do it with two. We'll yeah. Which have one of the keys automatically turn. Yeah. Basically, we've kind of gotten to know the owners of that room. And he was like, you, you guys, like most people know, but like you guys could probably do it. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, sometimes they'll do, you know, we've also had the opposite too, where we were booking um, two rooms back to back, like we like to do. And one of the rooms incorporated had enough for our entire party. One of the rooms, it only went up to like we had six. We had six and it went up to and five. It only, yeah. And so we called them and said, well, you know, we understand that sometimes, you know, there's. Um, fire codes and things like that, so you can't allow that. You know, there's a, there's an occupancy, right? Yeah. And you can't go above that. We're not but, asking you to break the law. But would it be possible to allow one extra person? And they said yes. And they, you know, arranged it so we could book. And one I mean, extra they were person. straightforward with this. They said, yeah. The only reason we said five is because honestly, there's like not a lot to do for 
person number six. Yeah. But if you want to have them come, that's cool. Yeah. And we were like, hey, you know, this person just wants to be, do part, some, of the group. be part of the group. That's all, you know, so they'll, they'll have fun no matter what we guarantee. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, sometimes you can kind of work with the rooms and they're usually pretty accommodating. We've never really had um, any like, I mean, we've had bad escape room experiences. Don't get me wrong. Yes. Um, I can only think of one where we had a problem with the actual owners. Yeah. Um, for the most part, most escape room owners or most or people, the people who work there are really nice. You know, the the people at this um, Exodus Rancho Cucamonga, like we ended up talking to the guy afterwards for like an hour. <laughs> like, oh, I was like, do you need to go home? Yeah. You know, like I thought we were going to like make plans to hang out later. Like that's how much we talked with him. <laughs> he was a pretty fun guy. I could have yeah. totally been like his best friend. So, um, so mo- yeah, most of the time they're really cool people and they often the best rooms um the people who work there are just as enthusiastic about escape rooms as you are yeah. you can always tell like if you go into one and they're like oh i've never really done one i don't really you know you're like oh this is probably gonna show in the can room can you imagine if that's a new thing you like you walk into the lobby you see the game master how many escape rooms you done yeah. If it's less than 35, you just turn around and walk out again. <laughs> I know, right? It is a little scary sometimes when owners say that they've done less than us. I do know it's hard as an owner to like be able to go do rooms yeah. just because, you know, but still, you're, you're usually working during the yeah. time. Um, but a lot, I know for a fact that some of them, like they had money due to like their business loan or something like that. And it was a write-off for them to go yeah. do the research. So. And it's like, <laughs> there's a lot of different professions out there, mm-hmm. like being a doctor where you have to have continual learning, continual education. Yeah. And I feel like as an escape room owner, it's not mandated like that, mm-hmm. but it should be a good idea that you yeah. use as often as you can go out and try different escape rooms because maybe you'll see something that's like, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I can somehow incorporate that into my ideas. Or, you know, or you know, I'm, I'm not going to copy them, but like it sparks another great yeah. idea or something. Like, you know? oh, I didn't know that you could use that or that yeah, they had that kind of technology. Yeah, I never thought of that. And then maybe ask the guy, like, how'd you do that? And he goes like, oh, I have this gadget that I got from, yeah. uh, from Best Buy that lets me do mm-hmm. that. Like, oh, cool. Yeah. Thanks for the tip, you know? Yeah, it was actually funny. Recently, um, we got a chance to um, be... We did a room with another escape room owner, and we'll talk about, like, that room in a different episode. Um, but then afterwards, um, she was actually... The reason she wanted to do this room is she was looking at hiring the same designers. And so her and the owner were talking, and we were all in the room. And it was interesting hearing two owners talk. Yeah, that shop talk, And some yeah. of the things, like, things we had never thought about, about how they reset the rooms mm-hmm. and... Uh, how they deal with customers and things like that. It was like this fun little inside baseball conversation we got exactly. to be privy to. So that was interesting. That was pretty fun. <laughs> but overall, uh, you know, Exodus Escape Room for Rancho Cucamonga. We did Quake Escape and Pharaoh's Curse. Mm-hmm. Quake Escape, I'd say pass. Yeah, but Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's Curse. Curse. Yeah, I'd yeah. say give it a try. If you're really into the theme mm-hmm. or you're in the area and you're looking for like, you know, just nice mid-range game. You know, I'm not saying it's the greatest ever. Yeah. I'd give it a... C plus. And I, I don't remember if we've um, done any of their rooms on this podcast because we, like I said, we did do um, several of their rooms quite a while ago before we had the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I do know like some of their other locations, some of the rooms they have changed. Like for instance, um, we used to go to the Anaheim room yeah. and they used to have one called Masquerade that's no longer there. Now um, it's like submerged. It's, yeah. Now they have like a submarine one. Um, we did do their Exodus one. I feel like they told me that they've updated that. That one we didn't super care for. It was okay. Yeah. Um, their Sherlock study, that was the first room we did with them and they still have it. That was a, a fairly decent room, I think. Yeah, and that one wasn't just solve the puzzle and, like, get out. Or you that had, one wasn't just get out. I mean, you have an objective of, like, here's a mystery, and you have to, like, logic out, like, who did it, yeah. how, and why. Yeah. I'd be curious to maybe do their submerged one just because it is newer. Um, so we kind of know, okay, like, let's They learn their lessons and they, they improve. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, Pharaoh's Curse was pretty good. Let's, you know... Yeah. Um, see, I will say they do have two Egyptian rooms. They have Exodus and Pharaoh's Curse. Obviously, we're recommending Pharaoh's Curse over Exodus. Yeah. Um, don't confuse them just because they're both Egyptian themed. Right. <laughs> and obviously, the location is also called Exodus, which can be kind of confusing too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we I would highly recommend um, Pharaoh's Curse if you are in the Rancho Cucamonga area. It doesn't look like they have that room at any of their other locations currently. Um, but you never know. That could change. You never know. Before we get into the Friday favorites, there's one little uh, bit of business we need to do. Oh, and my membership fees do? <laughs> yes. Um, so it is not, well, it's not quite that time yet. Um, but we um, we were really um, torn this year um, if we were going to be attending Dice Tower West. Yeah. And Dice Tower West is it's taking place in February. And as listeners to this podcast know, we did go last year mm-hmm. um, to its, fir- or its first inaugural. Yeah. And Lauren got very sick. <laughs> and then Greg got very sick. Yes, we got very sick. Um, but, but like at the end of it, so thank God, you know. Yeah, but we, we kind of had a rough summer and we just weren't sure if it was going to be possible, if we were going to have the time. And we were really hemming and hawing over it. Um, but we finally decided as soon as the tickets were about to be sold that we were going to do it. So we jumped on it and we are, will be attending Dice Tower so West. So we will see you at Dice Tower West. Um, once again, we can't go the full time. This We were hoping last time, if you go back and listen to that podcast, we were saying next time we want to do the whole thing mm-hmm. and we're going to be there. Um, it's just not going to work out with our work and stuff like that. So we won't be there the whole time. We will be there the, the weekend. Yeah. Low. We'll um, get there Friday. We'll be there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah. Um, we won't we won't get in until late Thursday, so we probably won't be playing any games because um, we're gonna work and then drive. <laughs> so we'll probably be very tired by the time we get there. I will get down there and play a game. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't, I don't but care. we are we will be there, and we're looking forward to it. And we'll definitely have pins and who knows what we'll other goodies. We'll be doing pins and other goodies, and I can guarantee we're going to do another escape room in Las and Vegas. Las Vegas for so sure. So yeah. we will definitely when it gets closer to there, we'll posting. Uh, on our social media, hey, looking for people to do. The, we'll tell you which room we're looking yeah, to do. How many yeah. people we need. Yeah, if you if you are going to Dice Tower West, um, I usually will post when it's getting a little closer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll post in the Dice Tower West Facebook group that we're looking for other people to do escape rooms with us. Um, and we'll start looking to see what other escape rooms are going to be out there. Obviously, this isn't going to be until February. Um, I can't guarantee. We're recording this about a week before. The podcast is due to come out. Yeah. I can't guarantee tickets will still be available. It says right now but, that they're already 75% But as sold out. of now, they're 75% sold out. So there may still be tickets. Last year, they went super fast. I think they sold out within like two days. This year, they haven't gone quite as fast. I think they were able to open up a little bit more I would tickets. So. so I think that's why they haven't all sold out. Um, but yeah, so that's just something like if you do want to go, um, we had a lot of fun last year despite being I highly sick. recommend it. Yeah, it was yeah. a really fun, um, especially just for our first time. Bring Purell. 
bring uh, any kind of like sick remedies that you yeah. have with you, you know, uh, really keep like super hygiene yourself. Yeah. You know? And well, as it, as it gets a little bit closer, we'll probably do like another little check-in about Dice Tower and some of the things that, you know, to do and think about if you're good, you are going. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to, you know, put that out there that it is coming, that tickets are for sale right now. It's, you know, it's a fairly reasonable, I think it's a hundred dollars a pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's for the entire event. Right. Um, so I think that's fairly reasonable for a conference. Um, and the hotel is not super expensive. It's also not like the nicest Las Vegas hotel, but it's okay. But it was one that was featured in James Bond, Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah. And, and, happy and it's also not right on the strip, so you don't have to fight a bunch of traffic and stuff. No, honestly, that's the best reason. It's not right on the strip, uh-huh. so parking's easy. And also, if you want to get to anything, you can kind of go alongside the and strip. And skirt it, yeah. And then cut into where you need to. Yeah, like when because we were... Because driving down the strip is a cool thing to do. But like, it's hectic and scary. It's hectic, and honestly, I don't like driving down the strip because I'm always driving. Yeah. And I want to look at everything, yeah. but I also don't want to like rear end the guy in front of me. Yeah, no, I've, I've, because for a while I was having to go to a lot of work conferences in Vegas and a couple times I was either, I was driving like a rental car yeah. and it was, it was a little scary trying to get from my hotel back out. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you ever get the chance, so. I recommend walking up and down the strip once. Yeah, you know, you're going to see some interesting things. You're going to see some scary people, <laughs> some interesting things, but it's yeah. an experience and you'll be fine. Yeah. And I, I do Just hope carry pepper spray. it's hard because on one hand, like, because we know we aren't going to go the full time, which we had originally wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be at the conference and take advantage of that free play. They literally have 24 hour free play, guys. Like you can. You just go down. You grab a game off the shelves. You say, "Hey, yeah, I'm gonna play this." They scan the thing. They scan your name tag and they say, "Bring it back when you want." Yeah, and they have you know players wanted or teacher wanted signs so you can get other people to come play with you. But like it's literally 24 hours and. We went down at some really like midnight and stuff, and there were still people down there. Oh yeah, that place so, was never completely empty. Yeah, so like I really wanted to take advantage of that as much as possible. Also, but don't forget I, they have vendors there showing yeah. off new games that are upcoming. Yeah, you know ones that are in development that you can mm, get you can on play a Patreon test and, and stuff. Yeah, that you can get a Patreon sponsor. Yeah, you might be able to get some kind of like freebie things for different games you already have. It's it's pretty freaking fantastic. Yeah, but at the same time, I do like last time we didn't go off the away from the hotel very much other than the escape rooms and i do kind of like oh i wish we could have like maybe gone to a restaurant off-site or maybe got you know but then at the same time i'm like no i want to stay and play you know so it's it's gonna be we're gonna have to really think about like what we want to do while we're there other than the conference and try to make as the conference still the priority Mm -hmm. we'll figure it out yeah we got time yeah but let's talk about our favorites this week friday favorites (laughs) Um, so for me, this is not a game that we own, but it's one that our friend recently got. And I know it's one that I've posted on Instagram a little bit and people have been very curious about. It is a cooperative game called Horrified. Oh, yes. Where you are essentially playing as a, a group of characters who are um, fighting a monster. Um, classic Hollywood monsters, such as Frankenstein and the Invisible Man and the, the mummy, mummy, the werewolf, Dracula, yeah. um, the the swamp thing. Sadly, this game <laughs> is already more successful than Universal's Dark Universe franchise. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, and it, like I said, it's cooperative. Um, I think you know it's really fun as far as you kind of all have like these different abilities, and there's different cards you can get that will kind of help you do extra things. Um, you also have to try to like escort villagers and stuff around and mm-hmm. get them to safety. 
Um, at first, I wasn't certain about it when we first played it because at the time, I think I, I asked the question and I think our friend misunderstood what I was asking. And I literally thought that the only monsters was Dracula and the thing from the Black Lagoon or whatever yeah. it is. And he was like, oh yeah, that's it or something. And I'm like, oh, well that, I don't know. That doesn't seem very fun. Like, it seems like there should be more. There, there, that's not what's on the box. But no, he meant that's and the monsters you're playing with right now. Right now, exactly. And then, so then when we played it again, we played it with the other monsters and they they work differently and they have different objectives. Yeah, each monster has a completely different way in which you have to, which you have to beat them. handle them. Yeah, and that's pretty fun. Yeah, exactly. So I really thought it was a lot of fun. Um, we were able to... Uh, pull it out too recently at the um we went to a tabletop takeovers event which Mm -hmm. i know we've talked about their events in the past i'm hoping to we're trying to kind of eventually probably do they do some live stream and some podcast and um, youtube stuff and of course we have this so we're gonna hopefully maybe swap podcasts and stuff and have them on and we'll probably be on some of their stuff eventually just timing wise it's once again it's been a crazy summer yeah (laughs) we are very happy that summer is about to be over oh goodness yes (laughs) because it's been it's just been a rough one it's been a hot one and we're we're happy to move on um so hopefully that will happen soon but um they had an event for charity um benefiting the chalks children's hospital Mm -hmm. and so we went down really fun event it's at a local brewery um, they had a pokey truck. We had pokey nachos that were really good. I wasn't convinced that that would be a good idea, but when I ate it, I was like, oh, it yes. It was good, yeah. <laughs> I know, it was really good. Um, and it was all for charity. They had a bunch of freebies. They once again had a huge raffle that our friends cleaned up at. I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. I don't know. We win nothing, and our friends literally took home this huge stack Is of Is there games. some forgotten, like god of luck that i'm not praying to yeah and we bought a good amount of tickets so um our friends are just really lucky when it comes to those things um but you know it's a really fun event and all the proceeds go to charity so i think that's really cool um so if you are in the socal area um look up tabletop takeovers um because they have events all the time they're usually based in like the orange county area so that's not why we don't get to go quite as often Mm -hmm. but now that summer's over things are you know kind of Working out a little bit better for us right now. Hopefully, we'll be able to attend more. Yeah. My Friday favorite Mm -hmm. uh, for this month is one that we got recently. We have a fun story about when we got it. (laughs) We do. It is Clank in Space. Which we're big big fans of the the regular Clank. And we also have the Clank Mummy, which we're also very big fans of. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've been very curious about Clank in Space. We've wanted... we We hadn't even played it. To this point so many people ever since the last dice tower west that we went to uh-huh. this year have been saying clank in space is the superior clank uh-huh. and i was like why it's just the sci-fi thing yeah no, it is so many more extra very, layers yeah. and levels to it it's awesome so basic clank is you're going down into this dungeon mm-hmm. as explorers and it's like fantasy thing with dragons and stuff and you're trying to grab an artifact and get out and yeah. it's a deck builder game. So, like, yeah. you have to have d- cards in your deck that say you can move a space. Cards in your deck that say you can buy more cards. Or you can cards fight in your deck something. that says that you can fight something. Yes. Yeah. And then all the while, you're trying not to make noise. And if you do make noise, then the dragon can wake up and try to attack you. And we're not saying you physically. We're talking about there's cards that make you your character. That say, like, you stumbled, so you make a noise. Yeah. yeah. You make you, what they call clank. a clank. Yeah. Yeah. But the sci-fi one has all of that mm-hmm. and more because in order to get into the vault where all the artifacts are kept, you have to hack different data ports in different, in different sections of the ship. What's also great is that Clank, the normal one, is normally just a straight 
you know, a square board that's double-sided. So you can mm-hmm. do this map or that map. For Clank in Space, it has three different modules that you can switch around. This goes here or there. Yeah. And they're all double-sided. So you actually have six different ways in which you can play. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of way, different ways to move around the map, too. So in Clank, the regular Clank, you're kind of, you're going, it's like you're tunneling down, yeah. right? So there's like this network of tunnels, like think an ant farm or something, right? It's, that's a good way to put it, yes. And Clank in Space, you're going through what kind of almost looks like a spaceship or something, but you are... It still has are, the ant farm like look. Yeah, but there's there's lots of different ways to get to things. Plus there's like a fast track route mm-hmm. that kind of like and lets you go. And there's teleporters. And there's teleporters. So, and, and you're really encouraged to move around the map because you have to hack those different sectors. Yeah. So you have to go over here and then you have you to go can't there. Just fast you track can't just fast-track it down the best yeah, path to get You can't here. just take the right, every right turn. Yeah. You know, like you have to kind of move around. And the other thing I like is that Clank is also encouraging you to grab the artifact and get out. Uh-huh. And normally in Clank, that's just getting up to surface level, getting yeah. out of the cave, oh, fresh air, you know. And everyone gets out of the same spot. Clank in space, there's escape pods. And if you've ever seen the end of Spaceballs by Mel Brooks, <laughs> if you're not quick enough, someone else will take your escape pod yeah. and just wave at you goodbye uh-huh, through yeah. the portal. And, and you can't use one that someone else has used. And so. I mean, there's one escape pod for every player. Uh-huh. But like, I can really imagine a situation where we're both equally to the one escape pod. And like, I don't know if I can make it to the other uh-huh. one because it's all the way to the left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, we got to play this just recently. We just bought it. We bought it like two days before we got mm-hmm. to play it finally. And like I said, we've been wanting it for a while. Um, but the, when we bought it, we went to the amazing game store in our area, Barnes & Noble. <laughs> and I said, it's really sad that we have actual dedicated game stores in Riverside. And the best one in town is a Barnes & Noble. I know. And they've really, I mean, they've really upped their sort of game area. I thought it was a little bit smaller this time than the last time mm-hmm. we were there. But what was really cool, I mean, they had they had all of your major titles. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's what I, I should, let me take it back. The best game for our taste yeah. is Barnes & Noble because there is a couple other game stores in Riverside. But they are geared more towards the miniature things like Warhammer, where yeah. you have to buy every single unit mm-hmm. and get to paint them all. And that's not our style. For the people who like that, it's a great store. And I highly recommend GMI games. But for us, we're, we like just more everything's contained in that box. We, yeah, we're more board games usually. Yeah. So for us, the best option is Barnes & Noble. Yeah, and like I said, they have pretty much you know all of the heavy hitters that you would like expect, anything that's really popular right now. I was even surprised at a couple kind of like rarer things or things that had previously been like on kickstarters and stuff i was kind of surprised right i do know that there we have talked to her before there's a girl who works there who in our particular barnes and noble who is super into board games so she may have a little bit of a hand in what they order maybe so that might be why they have such a good selection at our particular barnes and noble um but what was very exciting for us is they had a 30 percent off table yeah and it, a lot of stuff in there was like Probably stuff they just try to phase out, you know, like uh-huh. we need to make room. But there was some good stuff in there, too. Yeah, and we were like, why is that? Okay, sure. I mean, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth necessarily. Yeah, they had like two clinking spaces and some regular clink in there. And so we were like, are, are you sure this is 30% yeah. off? Just, just so take it, take it. <laughs> I grabbed it and said like, you know, let's go. Let's go get this, you know. Uh-huh. And I found out once we got home and was taking the plastic off, oh, I think I know why this is 30% off because the box is damaged. It looks like someone was holding it and accidentally like bumped it to like a corner, a corner of the table yeah. because it's kind of punctured in like in a spot. triangular yeah. area in one spot. 
everything in the game itself yeah. is in perfect order. It's just the box is a little messed up. And I'm like, cool. Yeah, like, we don't care. Like, Listen, <laughs> it could have easily happened when we, you know, like, we had our As much as I love to try to keep boxes pristine as long as I can, yeah. I recognize that there's normal wear and tear for them. Mm-hmm. This one just got a jump start on me. Yeah, exactly. And for 30% off, we will take it. <laughs> yeah, why not? I can always put it in a different box. Yes. Yeah, you know? true. In fact, there's even companies online like Broken Token that will give you like inserts for like the box but, yeah, that's customized. So if this box goes to me, I will find a cardboard box of equal size and I would just go get that. Yeah. The Broken Token <laughs> and just keep it in there. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, it's not like punctured in a way that in, um, messes up the integrity of it, really. Like it's just sort of a little puncture in the, the lid. Yeah. Um, so it didn't it doesn't, even touch the actual board. Yeah, the so board it, it doesn't even like really make it so that it, it can't hold things nicely or you know, it's not like um so it's not a gaping hole. We had a we had a tragic loss of um when I had the bigger um blacker box yeah. for Cards Against Humanity, I dropped it once on your porch. Yeah. And it like split the side. And Ugh. so the box was like never quite the same. But then eventually I upgraded to the even bigger box and it wasn't an issue anymore. Yeah. Um, but like this one, it's not an issue where like one flap is off or something like that. It's just like it's got a little, almost like a scratch, really. It's like really a super a scratch. deep scratch. Yeah. yeah, it's essentially like someone punched it really hard with their knuckle. Yeah, point. I think. But like, it's not even a it. hole. I think someone dropped it. I think. I think someone was holding it and like bumped into a table. Maybe like a I don't know because there were multiple there. I feel like maybe like they either they dropped them or they dropped oh, maybe something. Maybe they dropped on something them. on it. That's yeah. it. I bet you that's it. You're right. Yeah. But, um, but that's what I want to play. But yeah, it was a good find. And I would say, you know, if you do have a local Barnes & Nobles, check them out for their games and look for that 30% off table because yeah. they have some cool stuff on there. It's pretty good. Yep. Music for this episode was provided by bensound.com. As always, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. However, rates and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated as it really helps new listeners uh, find this podcast. We can be found at Game Friday on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, so come talk games with us. Flip those cards, roll those dice, unlock those locks, and have a good day. Bye!